The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Earnings, corporate governance, and growth. Welcome. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're glad you're here. You've got a fast-paced hour. If you're traveling through, maybe hearing our show for the first time, we're glad you're here and glad you're checking it out. Please drive safely and get home just fine. I'm Danny Clayton in the studio. Dr. Brian Jacobson, our chief economist at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. It's great to be here. we got Dave Spano, president and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to you. Yeah, thanks, Danny. And uh, lots to be thankful for. And one of the things that I'm thankful for is the flexibility that we have in our relationships and the flexibility in the elasticity of my pants because uh, probably ate too much this week, but seriously, lots to be thankful for. And one of those things is that since November, the S&P 500 is up 8.5% and NASDAQ is up 11%. And that does make people thankful. It really does. And when I look at the market, especially since we did have a technical correction. And so in the lingo that we use, a correction is a decline of 10% or more from peak to trough. And we did go through a correction period with the S&P 500. A lot of that seemed to be triggered by fears around the rising interest rates that we had with the Treasury yields, the auctions, as far as when the government auctions off those securities, those were a little miserable. But we've recovered pretty nicely from that. And I think a lot of that has to deal with, we've had some pretty decent economic growth numbers. Inflation seems to be falling. And uh, even though the Fed has gone on a fast and furious hiking pace, we're in this pause period. And that tends to be a little bit bullish for equities and for bonds. So we'll just spend some time on the economic news. But I think there's also something that's been happening. And that has been this kind of feeling better about the relationship with China. That was Mm -hmm. part of it after President Xi and President Biden got together. And lastly, earnings reports uh, were better than expected. So I think all three of those together. But I do agree with you that the Fed news and the fact that they're in this Powell pause, as you like to say, uh, certainly made the market feel better. It did. And we got some confirmation of that this past week with the minutes from the most recent Federal Reserve meeting. And it was unanimous that they wanted to proceed cautiously or I think they said proceed carefully instead of cautiously. So we always like to kind of parse the adverbs and adjectives that they use. And if everybody agrees that they should proceed carefully, that does mean that it is likely in this period where they're not going to hike anymore. They could if the data comes in to justify it. But for the most part, if they are done hiking, the key question then becomes how long do they hope that they can hold rates where they are? Right, exactly. And of course, the market reacted to that. And the Fed does watch the market rates and the 10-year treasury. I always joked, I'm sorry, professor and PhD of economics, that you know it's good to have those designations, and the Fed has lots of them on staff, but they also look at the markets, mm-hmm. and, and as the 10-year treasury and the two-year treasury started to react, they noticed those things. They did. They are very concerned about financial conditions. They wanted financial conditions to tighten. And I think that, you know, you and I, we speak to a lot of clients, and we know that financial conditions have tightened. You see higher interest rates, banks are are cutting back as far as with lending, raising their standards. But for the Fed, for some reason, they were still thinking that uh, they haven't tightened enough. It's like, well, what more do you really want? It really took 
for that 10-year Treasury to jump up towards 5% for the Fed to finally take notice. So I'm at least thankful that they did take notice eventually. And the second thing on economic news is the fact that we have been talking about a potential recession, at least we've been hearing about a potential recession for a long time now. And of course, we do understand that it takes negative GDP reports to get there. Again, not only do we have a really good, strong third quarter report, 4.9%, but the fourth quarter report is positive as well. It is. And so the Atlanta Fed and the New York Fed, they both have these GDP trackers where it kind of uses real-time data to give you a read about, or at least a good guess about what GDP might be. And it looks like it's coming in anywhere from like 2 to 2.5% two right now. So with the third quarter, next week uh, we're going to be getting the revisions. So that might actually be revised up to something closer to 5% mm-hmm. growth for the third quarter. Then you ratchet down to 2 to 2.5%. Two That's not bad. It's I mean, still positive. It, yeah, it, it's going from great to good, which right. isn't bad at all. And so we're going to look into the beginning of 2024 and try to speculate what's going to happen. But it's part of the big speculation is that the Fed is going to reverse course and start to lower rates, folks. And that's something that we've been looking forward to for a long time. Not only will the markets react to that, but if you've been looking for a mortgage, rates might start to come down in early 24 as well. So stick around. We're going to talk a lot about that good news is good news. And that means individual companies that we're going to spend some time on in just a minute. That is our week in review. You can get that at the top of the hour as a podcast as well. During the rest of the show, you're going to hear how we approach other aspects of retirement planning. It's only a glimpse. Get that whole picture when we begin the conversation about the kind of retirement you desire. That's up to you, though. And I invite you to take that step. It starts at AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Then we'll get going together. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Sunday, November 26. We're going to be right back on 92.5 Fox News. Losing sleep lately? The job, the house, the headlines, or investments? How about the feeling your investment partner isn't a partner at all? They might be operating in someone's best interest, but that someone isn't you. It's time for Annex Wealth Management. It's easy. Head to AnnexWealth.com, click the Get Started button. We work in your best interest as a fiduciary. That commitment runs so deep, we put it in writing. Does your advisor do that? Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Start at AnnexWealth.com. We're back at a quick reminder. We've got a great podcast. The Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast from the Annex Wealth Management investment team comes out every Monday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. It's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Also, the Annex Wealth Management year-end tax planning guide is on our website. It's a free download. You can get yours at AnnexWealth.com today. I'm Danny Clayton in the studio, Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management with Dave Spano, President and CEO. Yeah, thanks, Danny. And you Brian, you do do a podcast. I mean, it's not as good as the world acclaimed Raph and the Meatballs, but it's pretty good. And you do uh, you do the SWAT podcast. But, you know, let's talk about some of the strengths that are out there right now, which is, and you started with good news is good news. Yeah. And I really think good news is good news right now because companies that are giving good guidance, especially as it comes to the holiday season here, as far as what to expect with shopping between now and the, the end of the year, those companies that have been giving positive guidance have actually been rewarded. Uh, And I think two key illustrations of that, Dick's Sporting Goods, they reported earnings. Burlington Stores, they reported earnings. And even though the earnings themselves were yesterday's news Mm -hmm. or last quarter's news. It was really about what they said about what they're expecting ahead of us. And that's where their stocks reacted positively. You can contrast that 
to Best Buy and Kohl's. Right. You know, they were saying about some weakness that they're foreseeing. So it's kind of interesting, this divergence between some winners and some losers. You know, you talk about retail, and a lot of times we think about, you know, going into a store like a Dick's or a Burlington or even a Kohl's. Retail does encompass a lot of areas, and really retail is also things like experiences, mm-hmm. and those are stocks that you can watch as well. Well, that's true. Yeah, with a lot of the experiences, some people spent a lot of money since COVID on experiences. There's that big shift from spending on goods to services, and especially with those experiences, leisure and hospitality. And now it seems like the pendulum might be starting to swing a little bit the other way. It's a very gradual shift in that momentum, though, because some of the early reads that we've had as far as with credit card spending information, it does suggest that people are still willing to pay up for some of these experiences. And of course, if they've been paying up for some of those experiences, that also means that prices have gone up. And I think you dubbed it as something as well. <laughs> yes, that whole funflation thing, right? People are willing to pay to have fun. And, uh, you know, maybe it's a legacy of COVID where people realized, you know, life is kind of short. So it was actually, I think, initially dubbed the YOLO phenomenon. You right. only live once. Right. People are realizing that, well, you know, uh, you can live a lot lot longer than just a few months. And so they do have to be a little bit more prudent. So people are beginning to tighten their belts. Uh, So it is one of those things that people are still much rather spend money on a vacation than buying gifts for the rest of the family. Let's talk about the Magnificent Seven, you know, these these stocks that really have led the way throughout the year, because one of those Magnificent Seven NVIDIA reported as well this past week. They did. And honestly, those numbers were almost like eye-popping as far as just how big they were. It was more than 200% year-on-year growth in their revenues. And maybe it's really no wonder that their stock is up well more than 200% year-to-date. Uh, and that is always a barometer, and that's the reason why we spend so much time on earnings, is it is kind of a forecast of where that stock price can go. It is. Over long periods of time, you know, the fundamentals do matter. And there was a massive shift in the fundamentals, especially for that company and for that industry as a whole, as far as with artificial intelligence, companies now feeling like they need to invest in capital and equipment in order to take advantage of this technology. And so NVIDIA, I think, is a good poster child of the optimism that some people have about what growth could be in the future. Just want to finish up with one thing. As we get into the holiday season, people do feel better about things, and we saw that evidenced by the Michigan consumer sentiment. Yeah, initially it had fallen, and now it popped back up a little bit. So, you know, people have been talking about how miserable people are feeling about the economy, yet they still are spending money. Maybe we're beginning to see that turn as far as with consumer sentiment and consumer confidence. Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spanos, our President and CEO. We got him for the rest of the show. If we can help for investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Where are you going to fit? We've got Annex Ignite. We've got Annex Comprehensive Wealth and Annex Private Client. It all starts at AnnexWealth.com. The relationship between grandparents and grandchildren is a special one. Up next, we're going to talk about how you can bless them in a couple of different ways. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Is there anything sweeter than the crisp sound of a driver when it connects purely with the ball? Many golfers evaluate the quality of their shot by the sound it makes. You may feel the same about your financial plan. Something doesn't seem, look, or sound right. Think of Annex Wealth Management as financial swing doctors. We'll give you the truly objective analysis that comes from a fee-only fiduciary with no products to push or commissions to chase. If you need help, talk to our pros. Get started at AnnexWealth.com. 
Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? You know, at the core, Annex Wealth Management is about investment and retirement planning. And once a proper plan is in place, you've got a path forward. Then the fun stuff begins, like the joy of being a grandparent. And to talk about it, Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP, and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management, but not a grandma yet. Not yet. <laughs> not no. yet. <laughs> got to get her through college first. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Grandparenting is just different. It's like being an aunt or an uncle. You can stir them up and then give them back. But this is deeper. You might want to bless them in certain ways through a well-crafted financial plan. And that's what we're going to talk about. Deanna, maybe the most natural place to start would be what people tend to do, which is take care of this little one with higher education. And that would be, what, a 529? Yeah, so 529 refers to the federal tax code. And these are college savings plans. They are state-specific. So each state has has their own different plan, but they basically run the same way. Congress created them as a way for families to save for their children's future education. They're flexible, they can be tax advantaged, and they're specifically set up for those educational savings used for any qualified educational expense like public or private school from elementary to college age and beyond. Even some special programs like Outward Bound can be partially covered. Now expenses can include tuition, room and board for full-time students, books and certain supplies and fees. And when they are pulled out and the funds are used for qualified expenses, there's no taxation on withdrawals. So it's kind of like a Roth. You put in already taxed dollars and when it's used properly, you pull the dollars out income tax free. You name and control the beneficiary, you control the distribution of the assets, and you can change beneficiaries. So if one grandchild gets a full ride to college and doesn't need all the money, you can actually transfer it to a different beneficiary. In your experience, have you seen where people put lump sums in? Do they contribute throughout the years? Yeah, certainly. Now, some grandparents want to start a fund for different purposes as well, like maybe a car or helping the child save for a home. So a 529 is not always an appropriate vehicle for everybody. Have you seen clients open up something as simple as a savings account in a grandchild's name, or, or maybe would it be an investment account? Yeah. Now, you can put money into an account and gift over time to a beneficiary, keeping within the annual gifting limits. Or you can start a fund as a custodian with the assets in their name directly. But there can be gift tax, income tax, or estate tax planning implications in this case. So you really need to work with your wealth manager on the best strategy. For 2023, the annual gift tax exclusion is $17,000 per donor per recipient. So a giver can gift to anyone, a relative, friend, or even a stranger if they wanted, up to $17,000 in assets a year free of federal gift taxes. You know, but you can also beyond that exclusion, pay medical bills and tuition directly without it being a part of that exclusion. But it needs to go in that case directly from you to the institution and not be written to the beneficiary. So you just got to be sure that you do it right. Dean Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. We're talking about what grandparents can do for grandchildren. How about including a grandchild in a will or an estate plan? Is that something you see? Sometimes, yes. However, remember that a child until age of majority can't inherit directly. They need a custodian, a parent, relative, financial representative to hold and manage the money for them. So that should be a consideration in naming a minor 
you got to work with an estate planning attorney on your goals and in the best way to achieve them in your estate plan. You know, it must be kind of fun when a clients come in and they want to do something for their grandchildren. Right. Maybe they're not exactly sure how or what. You guide them through that process. Well, of course. So we're here to help set up their financial plan, understand their goals primarily, and make sure that, you know, that they're mad over time. One thing that grandparents will need to avoid, at least in my opinion, is overspending. Mm-hmm. A, a good thing is great. Too much of a good thing is not. Sure, of course. So grandparents want to be the ones who spoil their loved ones, but you always need to remember to put the oxygen mask on yourself <laughs> first. Really, that means having that financial plan and watching the plan, retesting the plan in all economic conditions, building in your gifting goals, making sure that the plan supports them. And remember that a kid's and grandkid's career is also an asset. They have their life's worth of earning power. So depleting your own personal savings to the point of financial pain and pressure to have them, for example, graduate with no debt, especially right at the time of your retirement, that should be looked at really carefully. That can be a slippery slope. And while it is important to follow your values, be sure you don't become a charity yourself. When it gets down to it, many will suggest that grandparents spend on experiences over things. You take them to the Grand Canyon, and you take them out fishing, you teach them how to sail, you do stuff like that. You know, I love this, Danny. We often will have people come in and say, you know, what good is it to me at least when I'm gone, you know, and they get this money? Let's enjoy it all together. So experiences follow the family. Those memories last long after we're gone, potentially, whereas toys don't necessarily (laughs) last, right? Having that family get together somewhere special where it's a family celebration, so important to many clients I service here at Annex, we actually Build those dreams right into your financial plan. Love it. Dean Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, CFP, and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Do you cringe when you look at your high school pictures? So much has changed. From your hair, there might be less or a completely different color, to the innocence of your smile. We grow up and learn the world is bigger than we thought. It's the same with your money. Your views of wealth, legacy, and taxes have all grown up. Has your financial plan? Take a proactive approach. Get an Annex Wealth Management Tax Smart Strategy Review. Visit AnnexWealth.com slash TaxSmart. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, is here. Hello, Tom. Hey, Danny. Wall Street Journal, well-respected newspaper, right? It's one of the few publications for which I have a subscription, so yes, I do think so. Actual journalists, extensive coverage of business and finance, right? All sorts of good stuff in there. Right. That's where I saw the headline, Roth versus traditional 401k, where to put your money for retirement. That got my attention and apparently yours as well. As soon as you asked me about this, I knew exactly what we were talking about. So yes, we were in tune on this one, Danny. Let's talk about that. The 401k is what you do here at Annex Wealth Management for companies we work with. It was built on a simple idea. You set aside money from each paycheck to save for tomorrow and get a tax break today. The article points out many workers now have other option, which is to save the tax break for tomorrow too. So we're talking about the Roth 401k. How does that work? So I'm going to real quick promote our YouTube channel because we have a great video where it talks about Roth versus pre-tax. But in essence, the answer to your question is how does Roth work? It is essentially the treatment of the contributions in terms of taxes. So traditional pre-tax 401k is you don't pay any taxes on it now, grows tax deferred, come retirement time, you take it out, you pay taxes on it then. Roth is just the opposite. You do pay the taxes now, then the money goes in, grows tax deferred till retirement, 
at which point, assuming you've completed all the other rules, I'm not going to get into today, but at that point, you don't have to pay taxes. So it's either it's pay now instead of pay later, basically. When do you want to bite the bullet? Correct. <laughs> right. Roth accounts might not be the best choice for everybody, and deciding how much of your money should go into the Roth versus traditional its calculation, its current spending, future taxable income, life expectancy, and other factors, some of which are, quote, unknowable. <laughs> unknowable. That sounds complicated. A lot of them are unknowable, Danny. And so when you say that, you know, some of the things are unknowable, let's start with what is knowable. So what we do know is what we're paying in taxes today. And what we don't know is all the other stuff that you're talking about. So I think there are a couple of groups. There are people for whom Roth is just obviously the right answer. And then there are people for whom Roth is obviously not the right answer. And then it's that middle in-between group that we got to help figure out all these little details that you're talking about here. And that's why we, we meet with people one-on-one to kind of go through and ask a lot of questions and help them figure it out. Roth 401ks create opportunities for some to reduce lifetime tax bills and leave more money for retirement or heirs. Not a bad thing. It's a great thing. And it's just, again, a question of how you're structuring that in the context of your overall plan. Okay, let's get back to this. Not everybody should contribute to a Roth concept. How come? Well, there are people for whom the tax liability currently is going to outweigh the future tax liability. And the other thing is compound growth over time. The closer you are to retirement, the less value that compound tax-free growth has. So it's just a question of how close to retirement are you starting with the account? Are you already have an account that continues to grow? All of those things. And that's why people, you know, sometimes they're dissatisfied that I can't just give a quick answer. But we do need to understand all the variables to help figure it out. But there are definitely cases where it's just the timing or the amounts just don't make it make sense. Well, and this is what a financial plan does. And this is why we have teams that can help with this. You know, an old broken down warhorse like me, I got to ask those kind of questions. Right? We all do, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Tom Parks is Director of Retirement Plan Services with Annex Wealth Management. He and his team work with companies to help build and maintain solid retirement plans. And these are plans that attract and retain great employees. Roth or traditional 401k, how does one decide? Basically, you take a look and you try to get a feel for what do you think is going to happen in the future based on what you know today. Some of this is just personal, Danny. I like knowing. So I know what my tax rate is today. I love Roth because I'm paying it and I'm done and I don't need to think about it again. Now, is that a really great financial plan from a calculator and spreadsheet perspective? Maybe it's not, but personality factors into this. I do think you need to figure out some of the maths. You know, you do need to understand what are tax rates now, but then it gets into what do I think tax rates are going to be in the future? I personally think they're probably not going to be the same because they usually change. So then the question is, all right, are they going to be higher? Are they going to be lower? I personally think it's more likely they'll be higher than it is lower. Then the question is how much higher versus what they are. All this, you know, these are all the things that we talk about with people. And then you start putting people's specific information in. That's where you start to get a clearer picture. Can you split contributions? Can some go to the Roth? Can some go to a regular 401k? Yes, you can do that. That is one thing I don't understand, honestly, why people would do that. It seems like you should either do Roth or you should do pre-tax, but I could be wrong about that. And again, that's why we have the financial planning department. And Danny, I will say I've had some spirited discussions with the folks on our financial planning department, which is another thing I love about being here is we've got people who have a lot of really good insight and we don't always have the same opinion, but you know, we, we hammer it out and figure out what's going to be the right, right answer for clients here. 
Oh, I think if we were all in lockstep, it probably would not work. No, that would not be helpful. Right. We figure it out, ladies and gentlemen. Tom Parks is Director of Retirement Plan Services at Annex Wealth Management. We can help your company. You can find Tom on LinkedIn or via AnnexWealth.com. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe every portfolio tells a story. After all, we've analyzed thousands. Some reflect diligence and fortitude. Others, a mishmash of overlapping investments. When Annex reviews your portfolio, we spot what works, what might not, and then provide unbiased suggestions free from sales commissions. Every portfolio tells a story. Let's work on yours. Investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. As a fee-only fiduciary, that's our story. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? We're going to cover healthcare savings accounts and why they're pretty darn awesome for those who can use them. And to do that, I'm joined by Kent Helene, an associate wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Danny. Great to join you. There were more than 33 million HSAs holding nearly $100 billion in 2022. The key is you're eligible to have contributions made to an HSA when your medical insurance is a high deductible plan that is HSA eligible, because not all high deductible plans are HSA eligible. So you got to check with your insurer or your employer, make sure that yours qualify. Kent, what are the limits? How much can you pile into these bad? boys. Yeah, so for the year 2023, the maximum amount for somebody with an individual medical plan is $3,850. And for a family plan where you are covered under your employer, the maximum amount to contribute is $7,750. That's a lot of money. That is. One thing to note is after 55, you have the $1,000 catch up where you can contribute in addition to that $3,850 or that $7,750. And the other good thing is that's a way to reduce taxable income. That's totally a win-win. Yeah, it's an outstanding win-win to be able to put the money in tax-free, let it grow tax-free, and then also for qualified medical expenses, it can come out tax-free as well. Yeah, and it comes time to spend that HSA money. You got to pay attention to a couple of things. So when it's time to come and spend the money, at that point, you can either pay out of pocket for that cost and save those receipts, or you can pay directly from that HSA. The benefit of using the receipt strategy is you can keep that money invested in the HSA and at that point, let it grow and reimburse yourself tax-free later on down the road. One of the things that people love about these HSAs is they are triple tax advantage. Can you break that down? So for qualified medical expenses, and that's the key phrase there, qualified medical expenses, it's not tax-free for any expense. Luckily, there's quite the substantial list as far as pulling that money out tax-free comes out of your either paycheck tax-free from the employer or individual contributions are tax-free as well. It continues to grow in that account without taxes being incurred on that money. And then if you pull it out for those qualified medical expenses, it comes out tax-free. Is there an RMD? I mean, do you have to take these things out at a certain point in your life? There is no RMD. The benefit of the HSA is you can defer that pull out of the HSA when you're looking at the receipt strategy that we talked about before. One thing to be aware of is in order to maintain that extremely beneficial tax treatment, the beneficiary should be your spouse and then after your spouse, there actually can be some additional planning and tax considerations that we want to look at. You, When you're considering getting into an HSA, if you qualify for it, you just need to know you're going to spend money on health care during your lifetime. I mean, when we first got involved with HSAs, we had 
kids. We had boys. We knew that they were going to be going through some money, right? <laughs> Very much so, yeah. There's going to be some broken bones or something there. But when you're looking at trying to either keep the money invested, and again, talking about that receipt strategy, uh, you can save the money in the HSA, keep it invested, but at the same time, you know you're going to have some medical expenses. Those that have saved extremely well into their HSAs, again, we'll want to look at the, the beneficiaries and the passing on to make sure you fully absorb that tax benefit, the triple tax benefit on the HSAs. Let's talk a little bit about the investing component of an HSA. You don't have to, but you can. Yeah, absolutely. Looking at the benefits of investing that HSA, it's an extremely underutilized benefit. Looking at a study from the Employee Benefit Research Institute, roughly 88% of HSA account holders weren't utilizing that benefit and they were holding it in cash. So looking at the potential growth over time, whether it's earning interest in something like bonds or investing in the market, that is a, a massive benefit that a lot of people are unfortunately missing out on. And when you retire, the good stuff happens because you can start spending that. Correct. To be able to reimburse yourself for all those medical expenses that come out throughout time, that's a, a massive benefit of the HSA. This might be a tricky question, but which should you fund first, a 401k, an IRA, or an HSA? A tricky question, but at the same time, there's a, a decent base answer. So depending on the, the complexity and the, the individual circumstances of someone, my answer might change a little bit. But the benefit of the HSA and what of an extremely powerful savings tool is shouldn't overshadow the fact that an employer 401k, if you have that match, you should at least contribute up to that employer match to take that benefit. Otherwise, you're missing out on a, a benefit that's given to you based on your employment. So I would say contribute up to at least the minimum for the employer match. And then if you want to start funding your HSA, if you're eligible, that's the route I would go. For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Kent Helene, Associate Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for your insight. Thank you, Danny. In a recent study, over one-third of millionaires predicted their ability to feel financially secure in retirement is going to, quote, take a miracle. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe a plan, not a miracle, will help increase your retirement confidence. Our team of experts gets to work using leading-edge technology to build a comprehensive plan covering investment investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. And Annex doesn't have products to push with hidden fees or commissions. There's too much of that already. Annex is a fee-only fiduciary. More planning, less miracles. Know the difference. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, and that's the goal of this segment, an opportunity to meet a real-life client of Annex who we work with for investment, retirement, estate, and tax planning. It is another Hear the Difference conversation. Let's say hello to Garrett. Hey, Garrett. Hey, Danny. How are you today? Good, thanks. Hey, at the top, let's get some business out of the way, some quick questions. You are a client of Annex Wealth Management? Yes, I am. Annex is not providing any type of compensation for your time on this segment? That's correct. And there's no conflicts of interest between you as a client and Annex as a firm? That's correct. Complete transparency, ladies and gentlemen. I met Garrett doing what we call punishment. How would you describe what it is that we do? It something that makes no sense to most people. Well, Danny, we like to go rucking, which is essentially walking around with 40-pound backpacks on our backs for between three and six miles. And we also do this at five o'clock in the morning, three days a week. Then after that, we 
lift heavy things like sandbags to try to maintain some strength. Essentially, I was really just looked at it as training for a life. There you go. And that's why we call it punishment. So in the course of our rucks and our various workouts, the conversation is all over the place. You and I are about the same age and retirement, I'm sure, must have come up at some point. And plus, Dan Phillips from our crew was part of the gang as well. At the time, you were not that far from actual retirement, were you? Yeah, that's correct, Danny. I think we met about two years ago during our rucks. Our conversations go a lot of different places while we're walking next to each other for two to three hours. And one of those places was retirement. For me at that point, it was about two to three years away from retiring. So at that point, did you have any kind of a plan in place? I'm sure you had investments. Actually, I had lots of plans in place. (laughs) Uh, The problem was that they were really just strictly for my investments. I really hadn't looked at any kind of tax planning. I hadn't looked at any kind of insurance after I left my current job because I'm retired before I hit 65. I had lots of things all over the place, but I didn't have any one person that was helping me to coordinate all those aspects. Through our discussions, I ended up realizing very quickly that I really need to have someone that was way smarter than me about those things, specifically helping me coordinate all the aspects of my retirement. Now, you're a pretty smart guy. you got an engineering background, and I'm going to guess that probably means that you approach things from an engineering type of standpoint. Very much so. I did start putting money away very early. As soon as I got my first job out of school, I started putting money away, and then I took advantage of my employer's 401k plan. So my wife and I have been pretty much saving our entire lives. We developed a pretty good nest egg. The problem that we ran into is as retirement got closer, I realized that there was a lot more to my overall planning than just strictly the investment part of it. If I'm going to take retirement funds, where do I take them from? How much income do I want in a given year? And through our discussions with Deanne on on our rucks, she really helped me kind of understand that Annex was the place to help me with all of those aspects of retirement. What I was really looking for was one place. So I only had to make one phone call if I had a question about whether it was my wife going on to Medicare or whether it was my personal insurance as far as my health insurance or where my investments were. Trusting the person that was making those decisions for me was absolutely critical to going with Annex. And you went through all the typical steps that everybody does, the portfolio analysis, the meetings with the wealth manager. And when it was right, you became a client of Annex. Was there a moment when you thought, you know what, these people are different? Absolutely. I was actually having a discussion with Deanne about something with regard to rolling my 401k over to Annex and a couple of other questions that I have. And we talked for probably about 20 minutes uh, before I even realized that she was actually on vacation when we had that conversation. Yet she still picked up the phone because that was important to her. And I've never had a group that I worked with before where somebody picked up the phone when they were on vacation because it was an important question that I had. And that really meant a lot to me. As I get a little bit older, I realize that my time is worth something. When you've got limited amount of time left, uh, you want to make sure that you are taking best advantage of it. I simply didn't have the time to do the research that I really would have needed to do to, to do the things that I've done with Annex. And another thing that was really important to me was to be able to find someone that my wife, Christine, was comfortable with. I've seen too many cases, my mom's case in particular, where something happened to the husband or another partner in the relationship. And in my case, I didn't want Christine to be left not understanding or not knowing where everything was placed and not knowing what to do. I've seen that cause way too much heartache. So you are freshly retired. 
I would love for you to share the story about the grand adventure, and it is a grand adventure. My wife and I are going to be leaving on our 32-foot Nordic tug, and we're going to be completing a trip that's called the Great Loop. It's about a 6,000-mile trip that we take around the eastern half of the United States. We'll leave the Great Lakes, we'll go over to the Mississippi, then down to the Ohio River, then take the river system down to Mobile, Alabama. Uh, We'll spend the winter down in Florida and the Bahamas, And then in the spring, we'll come back up the East Coast, and we will go up into Canada for the summer, and then we'll spend the summer up into Canada and the Great Lakes, and we'll be coming back to our home port. Folks, you're listening to this, so you can't see Garrett, but he's actually in motorcycle gear. You're involved in an organization that does some pretty amazing work with abused children. Working with a group called Guardians of the Children. Uh, We're an organization. We have 46 chapters in 19 states, and then we have six chapters in Canada. We work with abused children and their families to try to give them strength and stability throughout their ordeal. We work with the public also to educate them and to recognize and react to child abuse. When a parent or guardian of an abused child approaches us for help, we actually adopt the child into our group and give them their own road vest and their own road name. We will escort the family to court and be there for them to provide support for whatever they need as far as help and support when they are in court. We're just really there to be emotional support and to let them know that they're not alone. That's awesome. Garrett, we are glad to be your partner on land, two wheels, and on the water. Thank you. Thank you very much, Danny. Headlines, texts, emails, the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch every day. Market volatility can lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise, Americans report being stressed about their investment and retirement plans. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. Put Annex Wealth Management on your side for investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, a segment addressing the sandwich generation. Deanne Phillips here to talk about it. Welcome back, Deanne. Hi, Danny. As Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP, CDFA, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, you work with a wide variety of clients. And I'm sure you see clients who are struggling as part of the sandwich generation. But can you give us a quick explanation of what that is? Sure. It was a term that was coined originally in the 80s, believe it or not. The sandwich generation is that generation of people typically in their 40s or 50s responsible for bringing up their own children at the same time they're caring for their aging parents or other family members. In other words, they literally are sandwiched between two generations as active caregivers. And it's not easy duty. The number I've seen is an estimated 9 million sandwich generation caregivers. That is a lot. Yeah, and about 3 in 10 U.S. adults, just under 30%, have a child younger than 18 at home, and 12% of those parents provide unpaid care for an adult as well. So all told, these are multi-generational caregivers who often provide more than two and a half hours of unpaid care per day on average, according to the Pew Research Center analysis of the Bureau of Labor Statistics data. Yeah, and as you point out, this is not a full-time caregiver. It's either like somebody employed at a care center. The sandwich generation caregivers, they need to balance full-time jobs and the rest of their life. Right. So two-thirds of these caregivers are employed 
employed, working about 36 hours per week at their own job and balancing the stress of that. But also, and you know, this is not necessarily a bad thing, Danny, but the amount of time that parents spend actively with their kids these days has gone up considerably now. Moms spend more than 40% more time with their kids than a mom did in the 1960s. And dad quality time has tripled as well. But when you combine this with full-time job and an average of 22 hours per week caring for an elderly parent on top of that, well, that can stretch the caregiver pretty thin. It's an assumption. Maybe it's not fair. Does this fall primarily on women? Yes. Increasingly, the sandwich generation definition could also include, besides the word female, the word Millennial. Since the pandemic, millennial women have begun to fill the ranks, joining Gen Xers and boomers in the sandwich, according to a recent New York Life report. Millennials are one third of all multi-generational caregivers now post-COVID. Part of this is because that generation has delayed parenting well into their 30s. And so now they're actually paying for child care and elder care at the same time. And that puts a financial squeeze on them as well. They still might also be paying student loans. And that millennial generation has a record amount of medical debt on top of it. So this really suggests an added need for financial and retirement planning for those facing those challenges. You mentioned boomers. This is a crazy stat. They're going to start reaching their 80s in 2026. Mm -hmm. About 60% of adults 65 and older have at least two chronic conditions. That's according to the CDC. More people living with dementia. That's more hands-on care. About 25% of dementia caregivers are also caring for children under the age. 18. I mean, God bless them. You know, if they can, you know, it, it gets to a some point where, of course, a child wants to do what's best for their parent. And sometimes physically, they just aren't able to meet the needs, too. It's easy to feel guilty about that when you're torn between those because oh, you're yeah. torn between those two worlds because you feel a responsibility to your parent, but you've got the rest of your life as well. Well, you do. But you also, you know, sometimes it's for me. I mean, my mom was not a large woman, but just lifting her and dealing with that. I was afraid of hurting her. Right. So it became that challenge. And this can absolutely lead to levels of added stress for these individuals. More women than men leave the workforce to care for their loved ones as well, as we both know, Danny. You know, it's little wonder that a recent Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies report found one third of women surveyed said they're just getting by to cover basic living expenses. However, many haven't seen their retirement savings and income placed into a financial plan. They haven't been able to adequately visualize that future. This is is an important step, as we know here at Annex, seeing the plan and what you can do now to make sure your financial and, you know, your personal goals are also met in the future. So what needs to happen with a conversation with loved ones in your family who will need a plan for diminished capacity? And, and mm. really, it should be sooner than later. Well, absolutely. This is why we have attorneys on staff at Annex. Now, we're not a law firm. We don't draft documents, but we certainly use their expertise to review current estate plans, advise based on new circumstances like caring for a loved one, and making sure that they're taken care of in the future. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP, CDFA, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Is there anything sweeter than the crisp sound of a driver when it connects purely with the ball? Many golfers evaluate the quality of their shot by the sound it makes. You may feel the same about your financial plan. Something doesn't seem, look, or sound right. Think of Annex Wealth Management as financial swing doctors. We'll give you the truly objective analysis that comes from a fee-only fiduciary with no products to push or commissions to chase. If you need help, talk to our pros. Get started at AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Keith Butler, a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Keith, welcome back. Great to be here, Danny. The gig economy. 
the side hustle, the part-time extra job, all ways people use time and talent to earn extra money. With extra income comes a responsibility to report to the IRS. Yeah, you can get paid in cash, but for the purpose of this segment, we're going to consider wages you report on your income tax. And you might be asking, do I need an LLC? Keith, the first category we'll talk about for tax purposes is a sole proprietor. Does that cover most of side hustles? Oh, I'm sure it does, yes. It'd be a bit unusual, I would think, for people to enter into sort of a partnership, for lack of a better word, after their retirement in order to get things done. Because that would be a, a kind of more of a full-time gig, I would almost think. Okay. So yeah. the Keith Butler Lawn Mowing Company, you you <laughs> would be the sole proprietor, yes, right? Yes, you would. Indeed. Okay. Yes. I've read that unless your side work produces thirty to $40,000 in annual income, there's no benefits to move past sole proprietor. Is that right? I would say no. And the reason is the reason you would move past sole proprietor to form an entity in order to run your business would be to protect liability. And that would be really the nature of the business itself and whether it lends itself to potential liability uh, rather than any sort of income. Next up is the LLC. That's the Limited Liability Company. I hear LLC all the time. What exactly is that? That is an entity. It wasn't a thing until a couple of decades ago, and then it became very, very popular because it has fewer formalities than a corporation does, and it protects from liability. It falls into two categories as far as how you think about it. One is a single-member LLC, and one is with multiple members. Now, it can be done for a business, and what you're contemplating here when we're talking about side hustles is kind of a, is a business. The other way that LLCs could be used are for what we call passive investments, like if you bought a, a four-family or a commercial oh, building, sure. just real estate renting, out, passive investment. We're talking now about an actual company where you're, where you're providing services or goods in, in exchange for fees. My opinion, and this may not be held by everyone, but my opinion is that for a business that has more than one person, you're better off with a corporation than a, an LLC. Why is that? Because the corporate law has great structure. You, know, you have shareholders who are owners. They elect a body called a board of directors that oversees the big picture and elects officers. And then it has officers that run day to day. And if you look at the LLC law, it is managed by either a manager or its members. But what do LLCs do? They elect board of directors. I see this all the time. They elect board of directors. They have a president. That's not a thing in LLC law, but they do it anyway because it makes sense. And that's what corporations are. Okay. You're talking about an LLC as being something much larger, I guess, than I pictured. Are any LLCs just for one and two person shops? Absolutely. And that's why I said, going back to the single member, if you have your little side gig in retirement, which is one person, then go ahead. And, and an LLC would be just fine because it'll accomplish the goal of protecting you from liability without needing all the formalities of a corporation. So for one person, I think it, it is very handy. One thing to always keep in mind, if you're doing this as a business and you do it as an LLC uh, to protect yourself from liability, you have to respect all the formalities of an LLC, meaning that you're billing if you send an invoice, have it in the name of the LLC, open up a bank account in the name of the LLC so that everyone knows they're dealing with an LLC and an entity and not you personally. The L and the L, limited liability, what kind of protection does it offer for the individual? Well, it would be anything that would relate to the business itself unless where it could be pierced, we call it piercing the veil, would be number one, if you didn't respect the formalities and someone thought, hey, I had no idea I was dealing with uh, you know Clayton lawn mowing, I thought I was dealing with Danny. Right. Um, and then they would sue you personally. The other would be if you took a negligent act in your indiv as an individual, you would be held liable for that. Beyond the LLC, there are things S-Corps, right. C-Corporations. Is that 
part of a discussion for anybody? And at what point? Yeah, I, well, again, I think it would be if you had more than one person and you're operating a, a business. I don't know that that's the, the side gig that we're talking about now. But uh, really, an S corp and a C corp, they're the same sort of entity. They have the same rules, the same operating structure, all is the same. But an S corporation has filed an election with the IRS to be taxed as a flow-through entity. Somebody thinks they might need to look into an LLC. Who do they talk to? Their lawyer. Lawyer. Yeah, I, w- I would do that. And if you're thinking about how to have it taxed, that way you would talk to your accountant. If you had multiple people, should we be a corporation, should we be an S corp, should we be a C corp? That would be a, a conversation to have with your accountant, I think. So originally when I was thinking of this topic, I kind of picked you because I do like your style. And then you said, oh, I've done a lot of this because yeah, you are right. an attorney as yeah, well. Right. Back back in my uh, previous iteration of my career, I, I did these all the time. So you're a wealth manager with a slight bend toward the legal, I right. would think. Yes. Right. Annex Wealth Management has clients who fall into every one of these categories. And we work with our clients on various business ventures because this is a very large and a very important part of their financial plan. Keith Butler, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management, thank you for joining us. Oh, pleasure, Dan. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe every portfolio tells a story. After all, we've analyzed thousands. Some reflect diligence and fortitude, others a mishmash of overlapping investments. When Annex reviews your portfolio, we spot what works, what might not, and then provide unbiased suggestions free from sales commissions. Every portfolio tells a story. Let's work on yours. Investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. As a fee-only fiduciary, that's our story. Head to AnnexWealth.com. We are back. If you came in late, this show is going to be available as a podcast at the top of the hour, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Danny Clayton. Dr. Brian Jacobson, our chief economist, is here. Dave Spano is our president and CEO. I'm looking at you guys. Neither one of you have black eyes, so it looks like you did not have any fistfights during mm. dinner, the Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> and sometimes that can be a spot where there's lots of conversations. Sometimes it converge over into money. Yeah, and you'd think about it. You know, it could be as simple as how's mom doing, and you know, what's the next step, mm-hmm. all the way to how's junior doing and, and what college is he going to go to but those are financial planning questions and that is something that we heard leading up to the holiday is how do I handle it what do you think I should ask and there's ways to handle that there really are and it can obviously be a little awkward to start talking about money and talking about people's mental health mm-hmm. physical health things like that and uh, what I have heard from a lot of our clients who, uh, especially on the private client side of things, they actually have almost like a script that they use. It's a mental script for these conversations when they have everybody come over. So usually it's the mom and dad, grandma and grandpa. They're the ones who are hosting. And they just make a point of it to say, we are going to discuss the trust. We are going to discuss the will. Things I want to make sure everybody is on the same page. And so, uh, you know, sometimes the kids don't want to bring it up right but I but it's fu- better that you have these conversations yes. than you don't not only for mom and dad but for the kids to understand as well and we have prepared those questions in the past these are the things that you should bring up but you bring up the word trust and people go well what does that look like and it can be everywhere from a revocable trust mm-hmm. which is some simple planning to irrevocable trust and assets that are in there. Yes. You know, one of the things that I uh, actually heard uh, around my dinner table was the discussion around... I heard past the stuffing. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. there was a lot of past the stuffing, and Brian, is you really need that much Cool Whip on your <laughs> pumpkin pie? That uh, came up a few times as well, especially uh, after my second and third piece there. But it's about, you know, hey, I have been talking to my my wealth manager, I've been talking to my financial advisor, and they had this idea, they had this insight, and I wanted to share it with you all. 
right? So it was almost like a good way to broach it is I was having a discussion, got this little bit of insight, and now that can really serve as almost the door opener to those deeper conversations that are really important. About. And, and the middle brother said, you know, mind your own business, I'm sure. But <laughs> yes. no, but, you know, it really talks about, you know, you, it can go all the way, not only how mom's doing or what we, we're going to do when we're not around, but for example, what's Junior going to do and yeah. where is he going to go to school and what's that going to cost? These are all part of the planning process. Yeah, you know, I, I feel very blessed because my parents are incredibly generous. And one of the things that they have been making a point of it to do is to save for the grandkids college mm. you know there's this great tool called a 529 plan and it is a wonderful way to be able to set that money aside and just appreciate how it can grow over time through your contributions and through wise investing and diversification to help offset the costs of college now uh, when I went to college I'm very grateful I had a scholarship but my dad actually cut out this little banner um, it was a quote from remember the green sheets oh, sure, uh, of course. and uh, it said working your way through college is great preparation for working your way through life yeah that's awesome. and uh, I, I took that to heart. <laughs> and you should. And, of course, the last thing I want to talk about is the fact that we do estate planning. And at 529 planning is part of estate planning, by the way. But we do estate planning with all of our clients. And we say, how are things titled? Where are they going to go? What should we do? We have estate planning lawyers on staff. And that is a difference that, folks, when you're talking to your financial advisor, do they have estate planning lawyers and mm -hmm. estate planners on staff? Do they have tax planners on staff? And that is a difference. It really is. And they do need to coordinate things. I mean, just think about, here's the context, right? It is 2023, but we know January 1st, 2026, there are a lot of changes that could happen with the tax code, especially as it relates to estate planning. And so what is it that you can do today, basically to use it so you don't lose it in terms of estate tax exemptions? You need to coordinate all of this now not just from the planning perspective, but also from the tax perspective and the investing side of things as well. And just the last piece about the tax planning piece is there is a difference between tax compliance. You know, you might hear this and go, I got a guy mm -hmm. who's doing my taxes, but that's not tax planning. That's tax compliance. That's making sure you don't go to the Hooskow for not filing your tax returns. There's the difference between tax plannings and things that I should be doing now at the end of the year. For example, should I be offsetting gains and losses? Should I be funding 401k? plans or SEP plans or even Roth conversions, that's tax planning. Yeah. And one of the things that we've been doing a lot on the investment team is trying to take care of that for clients. I mean, that's one of the reasons why people work with us is they don't want to have to worry about it. It is complex and it's something that we really, that's what we do. We specialize in it and we enjoy it as well. We've been doing a lot of the tax loss harvesting. A lot of people don't appreciate, I think, with bonds, the extent to which you've been able to do some tax loss harvesting there because nobody ever really was accustomed to doing that. But now you can. Good. Thanks, Brian. Dave, I'm a big fan of a couple of genuinely American holidays. Number one is Fourth of July. Mm -hmm. We live in a fantastic country. Mm -hmm. The other is Thanksgiving because it's gratitude. It's Thanksgiving. But what we talk about on this show really is about planning. It needs to go hand in hand with being grateful for what you work for, Thanksgiving for what you produced, but then planning for the future. We are on the edge of December. We need to work together, put a plan in place for 2024 and beyond. This is the time, folks. AnnexWealth.com is the place. We're ready as a fee-only fiduciary partner. Underline that word partner. Let's start the conversation. All you got to do is click that Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. We're going to be back here next Sunday at noon. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News.
The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. 